This is Cultivate a Good Life, episode 144, Five Ways to Move Onward and Upward. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. I'm Becky Higgins, and with me is my friend and co-host, Becky Proudfit. Well, hello there. Speaking of co-hosting, yes, we did not technically co-host prom dinner, but we both we sure didn't. did host a prom dinner. We did, one mile <laughs> apart, and I was laughing because we didn't even really share with each other because both of us were so, like, so busy in prom prep. <laughs> like, So both of our boys were going to prom, uh-huh. and we were hosting um, a bunch of their friends over for dinner beforehand. Yeah. I think that's kind of a thing. I don't yeah. know. No one did that back where I was from. But. Uh, yeah, that wasn't a thing where I grew up in Maryland yeah. either. Yeah. But we had all these kids over and, and you know, you make like a fun little tablescape and mm-hmm. some parents helped with food. And I was laughing because as we kind of caught up the next day, our tables looked very similar. Well, I haven't seen your table. And you oh, did I not send it no. to you yet? No. Well, because fun fact, directly from, so from prom dinner, yeah. I literally had to scoot down to Vegas to attend a volleyball tournament with my daughter. You are lying. I didn't know that you oh, were you did in it? Vegas. No. Oh, no. I got back very, very late last night. Oh, bless which is, you. Which is why the fatigue is, is great. <laughs> if her voice today. sounds a little tired. Yes. No, I have been just, it's <sighs> just been thing to thing to thing and Mm, girl. It's been intense. That's the thing with parenting, though. Like, I am strong enough. I have the stamina to be tired because there's not a chance <laughs> in heck I was going to miss out on that opportunity yeah. to have that moment with my son with prom. Well, it's interesting because the original thought was that Porter and his group of friends was going to actually kind of come after Weston and his group of friends. Two. Yeah, yes. <laughs> kind of. It just made sense because uh-huh. we're like, oh, you've already, already decorated. Set yeah. You're set up. And then logistically, it started making less sense. And, and then mm-hmm. I started kind of the planning and the preparation to set it up at our house. Mm-hmm. And then I told Porter in his date, I was like, I don't even know how I was going to let that happen. And that would strip away my opportunity. And this has been a blast. Yeah. Like I genuinely, genuinely, and he's a senior. And so this is his last of everything, not just prom, this but all it. the things. And so it genuinely brought me so much joy. Last week was insane, like yours, mm-hmm. just so much going on. And to have that creative outlet to just do something special for our kids, I know you feel the same way. Totally. This is what we get to do. We get to do these things for our kids. That's the key is we get to do it. And was it a crazy week? Beyond. Uh, So much. (laughs) It's pretty much continuing this week. But at the end of the day, I would so much rather be tired Mm -hmm. and have had that moment with my son. And so if you're a mama out there that's like, Oh man, I'm, I'm doing something that, you know, a prom dinner or graduations, you know, whatever your situation is like, good, good for you. Be tired, be tired, be tired and not having regrets about moments missed with your kids. That's right. That's where it's at. It brings you so much joy. We know that you guys feel that too, if you're in that same boat and, um, you know what else brings us joy? What? Doing the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Let me share a review also with you. Chipotle. That is I'm just so much. <laughs> I mean, there's so many things. So many things that bring us joy. I'm going to share a review that brought me joy as I just glanced at some of our reviews in iTunes. Um, and I saw this one and thought, well, that's the cutest title ever. Let's go there. She titles it Best Girlfriends Ever. Aww. This comes from Tori of the Sea. And she says, I love listening to this podcast. The Beckys are my girlfriends and my social life every day while at work. Listening to them helps me stay focused, motivated, and happy. Also, the Project Life app is so amazing. I was worried about how I was going to document my boys' lives because I don't have two hours to commit to a page. This app has helped me catch up on documentation 
documenting and helps me feel so fulfilled. I've recommended it to so many family members and I'm using it to create a history book for my work. Love you guys so much. P.S. I am totally going to get your notebook someday as well. Okay, so I love that she just like went beyond the podcast. And for Mm -hmm. those of you who listen every week, you know that there's so many other things that we offer. Becky offers personalized coaching. Um, My brand offers these products to help you with documenting. We love all of it. We are here for all of it. We love providing the services and the products and the offerings for you guys beyond the podcast. Well, let me tell you you that if you have not experienced what it feels like to articulate your memories tell your story, use the Project Life app to bring it all together, and then have a physical, tangible something in your hands. Magic. That is like one of the most incredibly peaceful and empowering Mm -hmm. moments I think anyone can ever have. I still feel that. I still get that type of energy and that, that rush of happiness and contentment and satisfaction every time I receive another batch of pages or a photo book that I've printed through the app. Mm -hmm. It feels so good because it is truth, right? We get to document our own truth, our own experiences, our memories, the things that we love and care about, the people that we, you know, that we hold so dear. I mean, just, there's just no downside. It just places a value on who you are and that you matter, that Mm -hmm. you matter, that your life matters. And for me, when I hold those tangible things, I'm like, I was here. Like I was here and I left an impact. That's right. And I love it. Well, thank you for um, sharing that review, Tori of the Sea. Make sure that you send me a DM on Instagram. Find me, Becky Higgins, LLC, because I'm going to hook you up with a free seat in a course all about documenting. Documenting 101 is a great introductory course for 20 bucks where it just walks people through all of the best advice I've collected over 25 years in this work. Mm-hmm. Got to check that out. So that's at classroom.beckyhiggins.com. But let's talk about what we're going to be um, discussing today is all things onward and upward with a very specific focus. So before we do that, let's hear a quick word from this week's sponsor. So there we were. Becky and I were catching up with one of our friends who was also a guest on the podcast recently, and we were both eyeing her stunning backpack. Mm -hmm. At one point, we even said, okay, not to change the subject, but seriously, tell us about your bag. We're obsessed. That's when Lisa told us about Maiden Bags and the owner and creator, Natalie. One thing led to another. We had lunch with Natalie, started using her gorgeous products immediately, and yeah, to say that we're very much in love with Maiden Bags is basically an understatement. When designing these beautiful products, Natalie's desire has been to create functional and beautiful bags that move with you through different stages of womanhood. One you can use as a diaper bag and also as a laptop bag or for errands or even a carry-on. The best-selling midi all-day backpack has become our new best friend, and the brand new everyday crossbody is perfect for when you want to haul a little bit less stuff around. The size, modern style, versatility, 14 perfect pockets, and buttery soft exterior made of premium oiled vegan leather make this the perfect reliable companion as we move through our day-to-day activities. We invite you to check them out on Instagram or online at maidenbags.com. As a new sponsor of our podcast, they are offering our listeners a 15% discount with the code Becky. I am really honored for the opportunity to share some really personal thoughts. I love it. I mean, not too personal, but you know how when you listen to a podcast or read a book or hear a talk, what you really take away is the personal part, right? 
So, I mean, there's good stuff in all of it, right? People put heart and soul into what they present or share or publish. But at the end of the day, what you take out of it really is personal for you. This is what we reiterate on every single episode of this podcast. You guys know how we feel about that. Because if not, you end up just collecting a bunch of like great things that have worked for some people. But I want to know what's going to work specifically for me. Mm -hmm. And I want to know, I I love hearing stories behind kind of those kinds of things because I want to know what's worked for you. I want to like see it come to life. Yes. I love that too. I'm inspired by it. Well, recently we had something that happens twice a year. It's called General Conference, and it is a worldwide event. Um, It is put on by the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. That's the church that you and I both love our membership in, and we love being a part of that community of faith. And twice a year, there's a general conference. And really, it's just made up of very, very inspired talks by men and women who have these amazing, incredible, uplifting messages. Um, All things pointing to Christ, of course. Um, But there were five specific things that moved me um, from this most recent April 2021 general conference that I thought, you know, even though these messages are very faith-based, not just the way they're presented, but for me personally, I take them as that. They are five life principles that whether or not you believe or how you believe, these are just good like principles for cultivating a good life. And all of it thematically came together in my mind as, okay, this is all very onward and upward. What do I mean by that? You know, you listen to books, read books, listen to podcasts, watch shows, listen to talks. And sometimes you get that feeling of like, crap, I just am not doing enough. (laughs) I kind of dread. (laughs) Yeah. Like you just start feeling guilty maybe for where you're lacking. And the thing I love about general conference is that I've really worked over the years with all this inspiration that just seems to be flooding into my mind and heart. I have realized that the best and most valuable experience for me is to not feel guilty about anything I feel like inclined to maybe think, oh, I'm not doing as well as I want in this area or that area, but rather to pay close attention to the personal impressions I feel to focus on a few of the small and simple things that I can work Mm -hmm. on to be a little better. And so that's the onward and upward is that I feel with these five things I'm about to share that these are pieces of my life that where I felt very personally inspired to move onward, to move upward, to not look back and think, oh crap, I really am terrible in that area or this thing, but rather move onward and upward. It's so encouraging. It really is. One thing I love about conference is I feel like it doesn't give you like a to-do list of like, okay, you need to do X, Y, and Z. Really what it teaches you is truthful principles. And then when we have truthful principles, like you were saying, we listen to the impressions and things that we're feeling are specific to us of how to apply those principles. Mm -hmm. And so it's not something where you listen and you're like, oh, well, I need to be making sure that I, you know, am reading my scriptures for four hours every day, or I'm taking my kids to do that, or I'm not doing this or Mm -hmm. not letting my kids do that. It's really just more exposure to eternal truth, and then you can figure out in your life how it applies to you. That's right. I love it so much. I think that's why the principles that are shared mean so much to me is they are very broadly applicable Mm -hmm. and not just to me, but in my sharing, my sharing with my family, those that are in my little circle, you guys here on the podcast, maybe through my social media. Um, That's what really it comes down to with the five things that I'm going to share. So 
thanks in advance for letting me just kind of <laughs> bring it. I'm excited. Bring it. Yeah. And one thing I just want to make sure I'm clear about, this is not a recap of general conference. This right. is not, I'm not even like summarizing what the talks were about. Mm-hmm. I'm literally sharing five very specific moments where my pen hit the notebook because I was like, Oh, I needed that. That's the very thing I needed. Mm-hmm. So let's dive right in. The first one is clear the debris. So this talk was by Russell M. Nelson, and it was on Saturday morning. The talk is called Welcome Message. And by the way, all of these um, talks will be linked in the show notes, as we always link things in the show notes. Um, But they're all found on churchofjesuschrist.org. So if you want to look up any of these talks, that's why I'm giving you the, um, the speaker and the name of their talk. So this is the actual quote that I want to pull out. This is what Russell M. Nelson said, quote, as I have watched workers dig out the old tree roots, plumbing, wiring, and a leaky fountain. And by the way, he's, he's talking about the, um, construction work that he sees from his office windows there on Salt Lake City's, um, Temple Square area. There's a ton of reconstruction going on. So he's speaking to that. So as he's seeing all this stuff, he continues, I have thought about the need for each of us to remove with the Savior's help, the old debris in our lives. Um, He continues and says, His gospel provides an invitation to keep changing, growing, and becoming more pure. It's a gospel of hope, of healing, and of progress. Thus, the gospel is a message of joy. Our spirits rejoice with every small step forward we take. So again, if you are not as interested in the spiritual application or the faith-based kind of thought around that, I want you to think about what he's talking about Mm. in the debris in our lives. And that's my favorite thing about what he's saying. He finishes it the way that we oftentimes finish our messages with an invitation. He says, I invite you to pray, or I'll say, or to identify, right? The debris you should remove from your life. Mm. So in my opinion, we can all benefit from evaluating what debris might be in our life. And once we've identified that, then we can clear it out. Now I have a couple of examples just to help paint the picture that comes to my mind, but did you want to share anything that strikes you in this? Or do you want to think about that while I'm, I need to think about it. So okay, think come about back it to me. I will. There's, there's debris in all of our lives. That's, I think so much what I love about, um, those who have an emphasis on, um, decluttering and simplicity and minimalism and all of those things. There's a, there's a principle that's deeper than all of that, which is the less we have kind of cluttering up our lives, the more clear we are about what we really want. So just a couple of examples, physical debris, for example, right? Let's just think about the physical space that you're in. Mm -hmm. If that's what comes to mind, I highly recommend Marie Kondo's book called The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up. I I've read that I've referenced that. I don't know if you've actually read it back or if you, I know you I think probably I watched just, something. There's like a Netflix. There's a series. Yeah. 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 Her book is that. really, really cool. Very easy read, very based in the principles that she um, outlines to help people understand it's less about tidying and it's more about decluttering and how to acquire less and get rid of more. And it's really, really cool. So if, when you think about the debris in your life is if it's the physical stuff, just know that that's a really good book. Don't we all have the physical debris for heaven's sakes? I mean, that's what happens, right? You accumulate over time or perhaps maybe you have a feeling that the debris in your life is more with your commitments 
you're being overscheduled, you, your family, whatever. Um, we both are huge fans of Greg McGowan. He wrote the book Essentialism. We have mentioned it several times. Essentialism gets to the heart of what is actually essential in your life. So when it comes to what fills your life up, timing-wise, commitment-wise, just stuff in your life and your space and your time and everything, I there is not another book on this planet that I'd recommend over essentialism. So Amen. that's definitely worth catching up yeah. or catching on to. Um, and then you even think about like, what if you have emotional or spiritual baggage, like hanging on to a grudge, holding on to those really hard feelings mm -hmm. that you can't seem to let go of? That is debris. That is just not, there's nothing that it, that's not serving you. And speaking of Greg McEwen, um, and he, you guys will be hearing from him in an upcoming episode, actually. We're so honored for this opportunity, but his brand new book that's coming out called Effortless actually addresses not just grudges, but some of that other emotional baggage mm -hmm. that we can be hanging on to sometimes without even realizing it. Yes. That is the type of debris I'm talking about. And I'm hoping that as you guys listen, that you're thinking about something that's specific for you, because obviously I can tell you stories about debris in my life from the past or what I'm working on now, but it just matters way less than what you're feeling personally. Yeah. Did you think of an example? I did. Okay. And, and this was actually the example that kind of came into my head as I was listening to this talk um, during general conference is, you know, in this work we do, we both individually do a lot of thought work. We always say like we are the biggest students of the podcast because as we present content and interview people, we get to like really examine and internalize these things and think about them in our own lives. And I think for me, um, in, in kind of what I've been dealing with personally and professionally, it's really the more the mental clutter mm -hmm. that is kind of sometimes trips me up. And for me, it's not, it might not be holding on to a grudge against someone else. It's almost like holding on to beliefs about myself, mm. even though like this is literally the work that I do, like holding on to those, um, holding on to those maybe culture driven or automatic responses we have for validation. Or I know for me, I say we, me, me, me holding on to validation, <laughs> right? Like, uh -huh. or me holding on to thoughts of self-doubt that I use to protect myself from having to be fully vulnerable. And a lot of those things are what really hold me up. And so I constantly am having to like re-examine and look at, okay, am I having a lot of like mental clutter surrounding validation and self-worth? Am I having mental clutter surrounding my motherhood or surrounding projecting on my children or any of that? Like, continually it comes up and I continually have to like take the trash out, so to speak. Well, I love that you put it that way. My favorite word that you used in there in connection with taking the trash out is reevaluate. Like that's what we need to do. We need yeah. to continually take the opportunity to reevaluate on a regular basis. The, it's the not a one and done work. For no, sure. no, for sure not. And the debris will keep coming up because we keep acquiring experience. We keep acquiring um, stuff that fills up our life. Yeah. So thank you for sharing that. I think that's a great example. All right. Here's the second thing that I really pulled frame our failures differently. This talk is called God among us. And it was by Dieter F. Uchtdorf on Saturday morning. This is what he said. And again, faith-based for sure, but you can take the principle, um, from this, whether or not you infuse the faith because of Jesus Christ, he says, our failures do not have to define us. They can refine us. I love that so much because I think that you and I both agree that we like to think of our failures 
as learning experiences, mm-hmm. opportunities for growth, greater understanding. Like there's a way to frame our failures so that we're not like, oh, I just suck as a person. Right. Because that is one tendency. Yeah. That's oh, one. That's, I think that's a major tendency. I think it's very common to think that way. Mm-hmm. I would invite everyone to kind of reconsider what failures actually can mean. And the invitation here is that instead of beating yourself up about those things in your past, even those things that you did have control over, you know, the things that you're like, I know better. I know that I should have done that differently, right? Mm -hmm. That maybe instead of thinking of what you could have done differently, definitely you want to learn from it, right? But try to extract what you did learn from the mistake. Try to think about how you grew from the experience because that, my friends, is refinement. Yeah. That's what progress looks like. Totally. Um, yeah. When I think about failure too, I think there's kind of two distinct kinds of failure. Like one kind of failure is like a failure of commission. Like we, we do something that doesn't feel aligned or we do something that we know is a mistake or mm-hmm. we, you know, we choose action that's just not who we are, right? Or, or we react in anger, whatever it is. But then the other one, and I think the one that trips me up more often than not is kind of those failures of omission, like mm. where I'm like, I failed because I didn't do that. Yeah. I failed because I didn't show up. I failed because I knew this was something I should pursue and I didn't, or I didn't show up today as the mom I wanted to be. Like maybe I lost my temper or, and it's those ones that, that tend to trip me up more. And, and in those kind of omission kind of failures, I have to ask myself, not just what did I learn, but like, what did it, what did it teach me about myself? So if, if there's something that I have been really putting off that I feel really strongly that I should do, and I may tend to feel like a failure because I'm putting it off, putting it off, procrastinating. Well, I I can get curious, right? I can ask myself and say, okay, am I being held back by self-doubt or is this something that's actually not important to me? Mm. Is this just not important to me enough? Is this like, what exactly is holding me back and getting curious about that and asking, what does this failure have to teach me helps me to find the path forward. Mm -hmm. And it might be to do the thing, or it might be to accept that that thing I'm feeling like such a failure about is just not for me. Right. Right. It helps me to be able to move through it. I love that. In addition to what you've just shared, I want to also remind us that we shouldn't be labeling ourselves by our mistakes. You know, sometimes you kind of put that little, you put yourself in a box like, Mm -hmm. well, I am terrible at this thing. I've done that. You've heard me say those things about my, um, lack of, you know, meal planning, for example. Right. Or I've heard you say those things about insecurities that you have in your motherhood or organization. I mean, for instance, (laughs) just saying so many things, but I want to also remind us that we, that's not up to us to put, to label others by their mistakes either Mm. in relationships. What this can look like is owning and apologizing when you screw up because for heaven's sakes, we all screw up. Totally. So classic example, and this is something I've tried to do many times in my life, not just once or twice, but when I realize after an interaction or conversation with my child that I've said something that really wasn't helpful, I try to own that ASAP, not like 10 years down the road, (laughs) not even like 10 hours down the road. But as soon as I recognize, you know what, like I may not feel that I'm wrong about the thing that I said, but was it actually helpful was it helpful in that conversation? Was it helpful in our relationship? Yeah. If not, I think I need to like own that because I do know better, but I said the thing or I invoked the feeling. And so I, I mean, I just said this again last, not, or not last night, last week with one of our kids and I just owned it. Like it was within a few minutes that I said, okay, when I said such and such, 
I actually don't think that that was helpful. So I want you to know that I take that back and I am sincerely sorry. Yeah. And I apologize. I hope that you'll forgive me for that. And what that does is it not only takes the ownership and obviously strengthens the relationship, um, but it teaches the child how to take ownership for their stuff, right? Because we right. all have the mistakes. And I also, on that note, before I move on, wanted to mention that it's important to remember that repair in relationships, because what do you repair? Something that's broken, something that happened that wasn't right. so good. When you repair, that is where oftentimes relationships get even stronger. Yeah. So again, going going back to the onward and upwardness of all of this, don't beat yourself up for saying the wrong thing or you know, losing your temper or whatever that looks like for you in those interactions with your kids or in other relationships, just own it, apologize for what you need to, um, and, and move forward in a way that's like with that resolve of, okay, I can do better and I can only control what my part is in this relationship. It's not up to me to judge the other person or what they are or are not doing or saying, I just got to take upon myself, like, what's my part of this? Right. All right. The third thing is let them talk. Now this is interesting because there's not a talk to reference or a speaker to identify. This was a very personal impression that popped up a few times in various talks Mm -hmm. that may have mentioned something about this in passing or when they were sharing a story, but none of it was particularly focused on communication or relationships necessarily. The impression was just like, obviously for me, like it was obviously something that my pen hit the paper a few different times, let them talk. And what that felt like to me right now in the season that I'm in is in my parenting, in my motherhood. Um, It applies to all relationships, but I felt that impression that not just in my teaching moments, but especially even in the ordinary moments, just the day-to-day stuff, the intersections of the day, um, whatever that looks like to just let my kids talk. And why do I think I have that impression? Because as a mom, and I'm sure maybe, maybe you can relate to this. I'm not sure, but as a mom and because it's my personality inclination, I do have the tendency to want to talk and share and teach and still, (laughs) and still and counsel and offer advice. I just, that's my personality. Mm -hmm. It's part of what I infuse in my motherhood. And I like to share, but I'm feeling more and more like, just be quiet, Becky, just (laughs) let them talk. And I, what, what I love about this so much is that when we do that, when we just kind of stop talking for a minute, what happens? We give that person the space. We give them that space to be able to articulate some things that maybe they wouldn't otherwise, because we're just blah, 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 right? We just keep talking. We keep sharing. We keep advising. We keep counseling. We keep disciplining, whatever that looks like. Give them space. Let them talk. We all want to be seen and heard. That's all I have to say about that. I think that's a good one. And also, man, isn't it funny how like hard that is? I mean, Mm. it's so hard because sometimes we think the greatest acts of motherhood are like our instilling and our teaching and our loving. And sometimes like the greatest and most profound act you can do is just to withhold. Yes. Not withhold love, obviously, but like sit there in that space, hold the space and leave it open and let them fill it. Yes. I know. I, and I'm so grateful for the impression. I'm so grateful for the people who said things in their talks 
that it all pieced together and that I felt that personal impression and then mm-hmm. took the action to write it down so that I could then like work that into my life, my onward and upward. What am I going to do? I'm going to let them talk better than I have before. That's what I want to do. Do you know what I like how you're, you're speaking about this is you're right. There really wasn't anything in conference that was specific to what you're saying. And it's so funny though, how we, when we position ourselves and we put ourselves in that place of availability, what comes Mm -hmm. and it'll be interesting. I've had the same experience happen a number of times throughout my life, but in 10 years, it'll be interesting for you to go back and read that talk that spurred that inspiration. And you're probably going to be like, I have no idea how these two even connect. Right. Right. Uh But it's by putting yourself in that position of availability, like holding the space for yourself, essentially that that you get this inspiration. Honestly, that's like the key to life. Yeah, it is. Keep positioning yourself in ways that you can keep receiving inspiration and feel like you're being led with clarity and you're going to be fine. You're going to be fine. Here's the fourth thing. Be a stone catcher. This is Dale G. Rinland's talk on Saturday afternoon called Infuriating Unfairness. Whoa. Just the title alone, I'm like, that's like, that's a bold, right? A bold title. And I got to say, it struck me because I feel this. Mm. I feel sometimes fiery, Mm. angry responses when I feel like things are not fair. Sure. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of unfairness. And again, I'm not recapping the talk, but you guys will love it. If you're feeling like things are unfair for you or those that you love or in the world, like, yes, acknowledging that all day long, of course, things are going to feel unfair. And then he breaks it down and helps us to feel so much more peace and hope Mm -hmm. in the unfairness. But the very specific thing that I want to point out is this, and this is a quote from his talk, brothers and sisters, Not throwing stones is the first step in treating others with compassion. The second step is to try to catch stones thrown by others. How we deal with advantages and disadvantages is part of life's test. We will be judged not so much by what we say, but how we treat the vulnerable and disadvantaged. Okay, I want to be a stone catcher. Mm-hmm. And this doesn't have to look like being a vocal activist, or maybe it does, right? Mm-hmm. But so much more than that, I feel the application in our daily way of life. So what I'm talking about, for example, is being a little bit more mindful in our conversations. So the quote, vulnerable and disadvantaged isn't just the obvious marginalized people, but think about the gossip that's just too easy to come up. Think oh. about that person that's being talked about in some casual conversation between people that might even be your very friends, maybe even your closest friends, and someone's being talked about, but they don't have the opportunity to defend themselves or to explain what is surely misunderstood or not known by those who are bad-mouthing the person. Totally. Right? So there are all of these opportunities, I think, that we have to not just um, be the one that isn't going to cast that stone and criticize or judge or be unkind, because I think most of us are good-intentioned well-meaning people that would not do those things on purpose, but how often do we see and hear the stones being thrown and can we be maybe a little bit better about catching the stones? Oh, I loved, I just love this whole, this whole thought of being a stone catcher for a couple reasons. The first reason is that number one, we are all the vulnerable, vulnerable at some Mm -hmm. point, right? We are all vulnerable to stones being thrown at us for a variety of reasons. That's right. right. Um, Number two is if we become a stone catcher, we don't need to worry about teaching our kids about being stone throwers Mm. because it never even comes up. If we can catch stones, like 
of course you're not going to be like so focused on catching stones and then throwing stones right back, right? If we can focus on this, man, it it could literally, this one concept of being a stone catcher could change the world. If you weren't going to say the world, lives. I was going to interject with that. It can literally change the world. Yes. And it's an individual experience. Very individual. This is the one. This is each, It's you and it's me and it's each of us individually. This was actually the second time I heard about the stone catcher kind of theology. Okay. The first time, and you better believe as soon as I heard this, I was texting my friend, Brooke Romney, who released a book called I like me anyway. Mm-hmm. And she released it, um, earlier this year. You can get it on Amazon. You can get it on audible. Brooke was a guest on our podcast, um, a while back. And she also goes into great detail about being a stone catcher and what that has meant in her life. And I just, when, when it comes out of one mouth, it's impactful. When it comes out of two, I feel like that's confirmation mm-hmm. that like, this is a message the world needs. I agree. And so if you're interested in that, of course, listen to the talk that's linked in show notes and then definitely check out Brooke's book on Amazon yep. and get it. It's, it's an exceptional, we'll exceptional book. We'll link to that book in our show notes and we'll also link to Brooke on Instagram. Yeah. She's a wonderful, wonderful, inspired person to follow on Instagram for sure. All right. The fifth thing that I want to share is stop rehearsing your doubts with other doubters. This was another talk by Russell M. Nelson, and this one was on Sunday afternoon, and it was called Christ is Risen. Faith in him will move mountains, which hallelujah and amen. Yep. (laughs) But this is the quote that specifically struck me. He said, stop increasing your doubts by rehearsing them with other doubters, allow the Lord to lead you on your journey of spiritual discovery. Now, obviously he's referring to those who find doubts within their faith and that's, and that's great. And I love that beautiful encouragement and reminder to let God's influence be stronger than any other influence. That's something I've really been working on since he really talked about that, um, six months ago. Um, and the reason I love it so much is because our journey is so personal and no one knows us better. Right. That's, I know that's a belief that you and I share is that God knows us better than anyone and he's got our backs and he does want to be the greatest influence in our life because he knows what's going to be best for us. Right. Like all of that. Um, having said that from a perspective, that's not necessarily faith specific. Think about when you have doubts in other people or organizations or Or your marriage. Yes. Um, people that you feel like they have an agenda, like literally you name it. So who, when you think about it, who do you love to talk to about these doubts and disagreements? People who agree with you, right? Mm-hmm. That's what it means to be in your own echo chamber, which by the way, Brooke also spoke on that when she was a guest on our podcast. We'll mm-hmm. have to link to that episode. Yes. Um, so the invitation here is to be curious about your doubts. Be curious about your assumptions and where you might be misunderstanding or misjudging other people's intentions. Mm-hmm. And my question is, what would happen if instead of bonding with others who agree with you, what if you just got curious about it? And you know who I'm thinking of now? Yep. Annie Joy. Yep. <laughs> now that one I know is episode 139 because mm-hmm. it's more recent. And that episode with Annie is called Curiosity Leads to Connection. One of my favorites. Mm-hmm. I have become more and more and more curious since the way that she kind of explained that to us, because it's all in light of stronger connection. And so when I think of what, um, with what Russell M. Nelson said about stop rehearsing your doubts with other doubters, it kind of, to me, crosses over oh, for sure. with being more curious and less mm-hmm. judgmental, 100%. less quickly to, um, to assume. The thing that struck me about that talk is, you know, I go right to articulation because articulation to me is like the 
most impactful and free therapy the world has ever, ever known. But when we get around, um, people in a group of people and we start kind of all venting, right? We all start kind of, let's just go with husbands. Let's say it's about husbands. We all start venting about our husbands. Well, what I think this means to me is like, okay, well, if I'm having frustration with Taylor and I choose to go in a group of people and I probably don't even realize at the core of why I'm frustrated, right? Mm, totally. So when I go in a group of people and start sharing, I'm frustrated. And this person says, well, I'm frustrated because, th- you know, my husband hasn't taken me on a date. I might be like, well, wait a minute. My husband hasn't taken me. I'm going to absorb that. I'm going to take that. And now I'm frustrated. But it's almost like by not articulating and understanding why you may feel a certain way, why you may be having doubts about whatever or negative emotion about whatever, it leaves you susceptible to like absorbing other people's stuff, right? You all kind of start to project on each other. And then what may have started is like, well, I'm upset because I'm frustrated with Taylor because I'm feeling disconnected Mm -hmm. now has become, I'm frustrated with Taylor because he's not taking me out on a date. Yep. So then if I share, okay, Taylor will take me out on a date. So I'm not frustrated. He may take me on a date, but guess what? I may or may not feel connected from that. So it never solved the problem. Mm. It's just essentially like getting in these groups where we all share all of our stuff and then we absorb and kind of turn into this blob of like oneness with negativity. And how often does that happen? And so for me, the true antidote of that is like being able to sit with yourself, being able to sit with God or a trusted friend or a therapist or whoever to truly articulate and understand getting curious about negative emotion or doubts or any of it. So you understand how you feel, not how everyone else feels, Mm. but how you feel. You said it perfectly. And then that way you can actually start to craft a way out of it. Yep. Otherwise you just toxically bond with people and then you don't feel happy. And then it doesn't solve anything. It solves nothing. And that is what it is. It's toxic bonding. That's a phrase that we've used several times over the many episodes we've done. It happens. It's a natural inclination of the human race. It happens, right? And yet there are ways to prevent that. There are ways to combat that through everything that you just said. I love it so much. Well, guess what? We did it. Those are the five things. Awesome. I just want to quick recap those five things. I love that we, we did this episode a little bit shorter for you guys. We know that you're busy and value your time. All right. Number one, identify the debris in your life and remove it. Number two, remember that your failures do not define you, but refine you. Number three, give more space in your relationships as you let others do the talking. Number four, be a stone catcher. And number five, stop increasing your doubts by rehearsing them with other doubters. And Beck, this is the final thing I just want to share. It's the shortest and sweetest little quote that I heard in 1995. And it's still one of my favorite things that I hear on repeat in my mind. Gordon B. Hinckley himself said, may we go with determination to try a little harder to be a little better. That's it. We're not trying to change ourselves overnight in all of the ways, just taking those little small and simple things that we can just implement a little here and there to be a little bit better. Those are my thoughts from, from these recent talks that I've heard about the small and simple ways that I can move onward and upward personally. And when we move onward and upward, I just want to kind of close it out by saying the reason we do that is because that is how we have joy. That is how we feel connected. That is how we feel peace is when we do those small and simple things. And that peace and joy is the point. Friends, thank you for carving out the time to listen and for joining us in this continued conversation about cultivating a good life. 
Nothing we have said is more important than the specific things you have felt that are personal for you. We invite you to write down those promptings and most importantly, act on them. We love you. We're cheering you on and we look forward to being with you next week. Bye-bye. Bye guys. One, two, three. I sound great. How do you sound? One, two, three. I think I sound great. You actually do. Good. Real quick. Yes. Here's a song that's been in my head today. Oh, dear. Porter walks in the door this morning and Uh says and sings, What's love got to do? And I was like, Wait, what? How do you know this song? What the? What's Wendy Howe taught him at seminary? I wonder. (laughs) Isn't that good? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, I was like, mm -hmm. I'm so glad you know these songs. Of my time. I love it. (laughs) Maybe they're vintage and cool again. Obviously.